Well, financial season's greetings to you, Sally. Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent rendition. Trademark, patent pending. So, financial year is approaching, mm-hmm. and it's not just a regular month for a few reasons. Obviously, tax mm-hmm. is one big one. Probably the most important one. Then sales. Yes. Pick up a bloody bargain. <laughs> yes, it's always good to uh, pick up a bloody bargain, <laughs> as Sally says. And there are a few tips that you can do to get it right. And I guess either maximise the money that you can get from your tax or maximise the savings that you get from the bargains. Yes. Said bargains. From said bargains. Uh, so this episode, we have an interesting take on the end of financial year time. We've gathered a bunch of financial experts from FindUp to come in and share insights about how to make the most of this time of the year for your taxes, sales, basically everything that you would want to do in this time of the year. Yeah, so as you may know, Pocket Money is supported by and recorded inside the studio at Finder HQ. Finder is a comparison service. We're all about empowering Aussies to make better financial decisions. So that means that we're surrounded by a bunch of award-winning journalists and experts in pretty much everything from investing to insurance, uh, managing your money, booking holidays and more. Yeah, and you may not know from some of the episodes, we ourselves specialize in different aspects <laughs> of... We're experts too! <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I don't know, Sally, do you want to tell the dear listeners what you specialize in? Sure, so we just play dumb for the podcast, <laughs> we're actually geniuses. I mainly focus on credit cards, frequent flyer, a little bit of travel money as well, so definitely in that personal finance space. Yeah, and I'm also on uh, frequent flyer points and I've worked in the past in home loans, which is interesting because um, then I eventually got my home loan and it was a very different process. <laughs> you thought you knew everything and then you actually did it. And now I'm locked away to debt. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Sally, are you ready to have our illustrious guests on to tell us a bit about the different aspects of saving money during this financial season's greetings? <laughs> Born ready. Let's do it. Come on down, Alison. Contestant number one. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Alison Banny. I'm the banking and investment editor here at Finder. So I cover all sorts of money-related topics, uh, one of them being tax. Okay, and tax is something that we definitely want to talk about today. What do you have for us, Alison? So I have a few tips for you guys today. Uh, the first one's around tax deductions. You know, every, every tax time, there's always stories in the media around crazy things that you can claim. One of my pet peeves is handbags. It's always in the media, like you can oh. claim your handbag as a tax deduction, which in part is true, but you need to prove that it's it's primarily for work. So carrying work documents. So it can't wow. be just for carrying like your lunch or your food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn and, it. and snacks. <laughs> I need these snacks yeah. <laughs> for work. For productivity. Get me through the day. I think you're going to have a pretty tough time justifying like a Chanel handbag with the ATO <laughs> for carrying some snacks to and from work. I think a bigger win that people often overlook claiming is working from home. We all work from home a lot today and you can claim a portion of your internet expenses as well as your energy bills if you work from home. Um, You have to, again, be willing to show you're working on that. So you have to show how many days of the week you work from home and for how many hours and divide your bills by that amount. 
and you have to have a dedicated office space, so you can't be like sitting in your bed on your laptop <laughs> claiming that. God, that excludes me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sounded promising to you guys. Can yeah, we claim anything? <laughs> Uh, Look, you don't have to like send a photo of your office to the ATO or anything, but just <laughs> I'm just gonna send like a stock image yeah. from Shutterstock. This is my like, home office. Office. <laughs> Photoshop yourself in. Yeah, there. Google image office and Photoshop myself in. <laughs> Another good thing that I think is important that people know they can claim is education costs. So, if you work in a particular industry and you do some courses to learn more about the industry or Im- improve your job prospects. Uh, you can claim that as a tax deduction. There's so many courses online now that's very easy to actually do that, right? Yeah, really easy. And I mean, obviously, if your work has already paid for it, you can't claim it as a deduction. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a good thing to mention, probably. That's like having your cake and eating it too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could try. but In saying that, it's always better to try to get your work to reimburse you in the first place rather than having to try claim it as a deduction. It's just a a bit of a hassle. But yeah, that's a good one to keep in mind. So um, if there is a course that you've been wanting to do but haven't, that's motivation for you to do it. That's awesome. Uh, another tip I had was just around not getting a tax return and feeling pretty bad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted people to know that if you don't get a tax return, it's a good thing. You know, it feels like you're getting free money, but you're not. It's your money mm. <laughs> that the government has pretty much borrowed from you throughout the year and returned it with no interest. So it sounds like a pretty bad deal on your part if you um, get money back. I am that person yeah. every year. I'm like, I never get money back. Me too. I'm like, what did I do yeah. wrong? What am I being penalised for here? <laughs> I like free money, but it is yeah, actually your own money. Yeah, we all like free money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I um, love it. And you feel like you're getting really ripped off if you don't get a tax return, but it just means that the system has worked as it should for you and you haven't paid too much tax throughout the year. So, yeah, don't stress if you don't get money back. It actually is a good thing because you've had that money sitting, hopefully, in a savings account or you've invested it or mm. done something I mean, else with course. it. Yeah. <laughs> And I suppose there's always like the guidance to, you know, if you're not sure, it's best to speak to the ATO or a tax accountant rather than just yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've got heaps of deductions to claim, it's probably a good idea to use a tax agent rather than doing your tax online. Doing your tax online yourself is a great option if you've got a really simple return. Like say, you know, you've just got the one job, one salary, you don't really have any deductions to claim. Um, that's great. Do it yourself online. It's free. But if you do want to claim some more things or if you say you do some part-time work or um, you have an ABN, that kind of thing, you earn income from like dividends or rental income, it's probably better to go through a tax agent um, because they can really help you claim everything correctly. Uh, I know that you know a thing or two about superannuation. So how does super (laughs) fit into the whole thing at tax time? So if you contribute to your super, you can also claim there's a tax deduction. Wow. Yeah. So is it only if you contribute more than the minimum that you can claim it? No. So basically you can contribute in two ways to your super. Um, The first way is a non-concessional contribution, which is after tax. So if you have already got your money, it's sitting in your bank account. You've already paid tax on that money, but then you decide to um, send it to your superannuation throughout the year. At tax time, you can claim that amount as a deduction because superannuation is only taxed at 15%, whereas you've already paid your marginal tax rate, which could be, you know, 32, 37, even 45%. Right. right. You earn a lot of money. Yeah. That's excellent. Fabulous. Um, <laughs> very last tip that I want to say is if you do get a tax agent, that that as well is tax deductible. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so people oh, always think, you know, it's, it's wasted money. It costs $100 or whatever, but you can claim that as a tax deduction. So. That is wonderful, and I will be doing that. 
Yeah, this, and they, they do school. help you play, <laughs> play more back, yeah. What is one thing that you wish you could claim? If you could claim anything. If I could claim anything, all my rent, that's what I spent all my money on. It's very depressing. Like, if you calculate <laughs> how much money you've paid in rent over the last year, I'd yeah, love to claim that back. I try not to think about that. Another <laughs> reason why we so should just I, all live in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Alison. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Welcome to our fearless leader, Fred. Tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Uh, long-time listener, <laughs> uh, first-time uh, joiner. And uh, welcome. Thank you for listening, everyone. We really appreciate the guys here, Sally, Franco behind the disco machine there, and Mark do a great job. They're really bringing it to you. And thanks for listening. I guess I humbly serve everyone here at Fonda and um, one of those guys that I guess founded it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that was the key part at the very end there. <laughs> and thank you, Fred. That was very kind words from you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fred is one of the founders of Finder. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show for your little segment here. So tax times are coming. What's your top tip for us, Fred? Yeah. So I think a lot of people during tax time think, you know, oh, let's get the biggest tax deduction possible, and then you can find all these things you could potentially get a deduction on. But actually, what I think you need to keep in mind is it's not to your benefit to just spend money to get a tax deduction. Spending extra money to get a tax deduction is basically spending money with the justification that it's a tax deduction. What in fact you want to do is save that money, pay the correct amount of tax that you're supposed to pay. You were actually supposed to work out your tax deductions during the year. Uh, So it's too late. (laughs) But what you can do is now plan how are you going to deduct and what deductions could you have done and start to make a plan around that going forward. So I, I just wanted to try and make everyone, you know, ensure they feel that a tax deduction is not something you want to maximize. Don't go and spend money to make a tax deduction. In fact, it should be the other way around. There's, you always see these lists of crazy things to deduct. Uh, we were just talking about some mm-hmm. before, like your handbag. And that's good advice. You shouldn't just be spending just for the sake of that deduction. You know, think about now, okay, I wish when you're looking at your tax return afterwards, I wish I did X, Y, and Z. I wish I put these things on. Now is the time to make that plan. I think there was an article I did the most crazy things that I've deducted on tax. I think we have a ninja sword here. That's a tax deduction. (laughs) Savvy. That's excellent. Uh, Fred, if you had one thing that you wish you could claim, what would it be? You know, I wish I could claim my black jeans because I buy many, many pairs of them and I only wear this one pair of jeans. And I feel like it's a uniform to me. <laughs> and I think everyone else sees it as a uniform and they like the consistency. And I think it's part of, you know, that that brand in that. But I'm not sure if that's a tax deduction yet, but I think it should be. It's like um, when Michael Jackson's voice or something was insured or things like that. You know, I just wish my, my black jeans were... <laughs> It's like the Steve Jobs turtleneck. Yes, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Like that's his uniform. Yeah, that I don't was know if, his uniform. Exactly right. I don't know if my jeans are that iconic yet, and maybe I need to get them more iconic, but... Yet. Yeah. There's time. <laughs> new financial year, new you. Yeah. New plan. Mm-hmm. Deduct black jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it. you so much for your time, Fred. Thank you. Thanks very much, guys. Hey, gal, our health insurance guru. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Alex. I work here at Finder and I am responsible for health insurance. So I, I publish everything you see for health insurance. It's a fun time. She so even helped me swap to a better deal, guys. And You're me too. Welcome. Tried and tested. I think you should both pay me a little bit of money for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you claim something using my policy if you want. <laughs>
So what's your tax time tip for us? Yeah, there's probably two big things happening with health insurance this time of year. Um, They only really impact you if you're turning 31 or you're earning more than uh, 90K and you haven't currently got private health insurance. So if we look at the first one, it's probably the most uh, complicated to explain, but it's actually pretty simple. But if you've turned 31, the government introduced this initiative called Lifetime Health Cover Loading. It's a very catchy name, but essentially they try and encourage you to take out private hospital cover whilst you're young. If you don't get private hospital cover within this time, the longer you wait to take it out, the more you pay. So if you only take out health insurance when you're 40, you would pay 10% more than someone who took it out when they were 30. So you start to pay a premium from now on for every year you don't have it. The second one is the Medicare levy surcharge. This is different to the Medicare levy, which you already pay in your pay packet, which most people don't realize. But basically, if you earn more than $90,000 and you don't have private hospital cover, you are charged an extra one to one and a half percent in your tax return. So if we take a basic example of someone earning $90,000 and they don't have private health insurance come tax time when you normally get a nice rebate, you'd actually owe $900. Now you can take out health insurance that is cheaper than that. So you can actually save money by taking out private hospital insurance if you're earning more than 90K. Mm. Plus, if you get in trouble, you also have health insurance. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even a basic policy will probably cover you for some of the like elective surgeries or if you get into an accident. So it covers you for ambulance cover as well, which can cost hundreds of dollars, especially in New South Wales and Victoria. So definitely worth looking at. can save you some cash both in the surcharge and if you need an ambulance. Yeah, that's so interesting to know because I think a lot of people don't really associate insurance with your taxes knowing that you will pay a premium later in life for that is is really good yeah yeah a lot of people get mixed up with the two things as well I think people think that once you turn 31 you have to pay in your tax but you don't if you turn 31 and you never have private cover then you obviously won't have to pay the surcharge but a lot of people take it out later on in life and this surcharge runs for years so say if you took it out when you were 60 you pay 2% extra a year, so you'd have to pay 60% additional costs in your private health insurance. Whereas with the $90,000 earnings, yeah, there's a direct hit on your taxes there. Each year you get charged at least $900, if not more. So definitely worth thinking about this time of year. And what's one thing that you wish that you could claim? Anything to do with pets, because I have a lot of pets. Dogs are very expensive, so if you could claim something to do with I don't know. I feel like they're giving back on my mental health, so I should be able to claim <laughs> something back in return, but they cost me a lot of money, so I'd like to be able to claim my dogs on my tax return. <laughs> they need to start paying board, I think. Yeah, they should. They or need get to get a job. A job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Working in the puppy mines. Yeah. <laughs> Go fetch those balls. Come on. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Alex. Very helpful. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Anytime. Thanks. Welcome to the show, Angus. Come on down. Thanks for having me. The price is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, someone got my reference. Uh, Angus, could you please introduce yourself to listeners who maybe aren't familiar? So I'm Angus Kidman. I'm the editor-in-chief for Finder, and I'm a technology geek and a travel geek. So I'm going to talk a bit about both those things, I guess. (laughs) So what have you got for us then? The big technology story is, as it's been for a few years, the MBN. The MBN rollout's been going on for a while, but it actually finishes in 2020. So that means even if you haven't had the option of getting on the MBN before, it's going to come 
come up for you in the next 12 months. And you do have to go to the MBN if you want to maintain a home internet connection, basically. Your existing one's going to disappear. So lots of Australians, millions of Australians are going to be facing this decision over the next year of, okay, how am I going to find the right MBN plan? What am I supposed to do? What's supposed to happen? So it's something you should be thinking about when you're planning your budget for next year is go, hey, I know I'm going to be switching yeah, internet service provider at some point. It's probably not worth switching until the MBN comes. If with your current provider, you may as well just stay there until that happens. But when it does happen, you don't necessarily want to stay with that provider. You should go out and investigate and compare because there's lots and lots of competition for the MBN, far more than there will have been when you got your broadband the last time. So expect that you're going to be doing that planning at some point. I think that would be my key message for everybody. Can I ask a, a sneaky follow-up question to that? If you live under a rock and you just disregard all mail that comes your way. When the NBN switches, what happens to your internet? You, you just, just live in the dark off? ages? Yeah. Well, you don't care. You're living under a rock in that case. So you're fine. <laughs> um, but no, so what happens is when the NBN gets enabled in your area, there's an 18-month window. So for, there's 18 months where existing service will continue. And then at that point, they will just get switched off. Now, they'll make aggressive efforts to find you. You'll get follow-up mails. You'll get people knocking on your rock. So like, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's going to be quite hard to miss out on it. But so there is, there, is, there is that window. So there will be, you know, it'll roll out next year. It'll still be 2021 into sort of 2022 before it's the only game in town. But the reality is for virtually everybody, it's going to be better than what you've got now. So when the opportunity comes along, I would be like, you know, running, not walking to sort of make it happen. And what about your travel tips for us? I'm an obsessed frequent flyer. This is one of my things. And that means that I'm like logging and checking my points every day. But I know lots of people don't do that. You know, 9 million Australians are members of Qantas and a similar number of members of Virgin. So most people do have frequent flyer points sitting there. As part of your end of financial year cleanup, just log in, have a look at them, see how many points you've got, and check when you last had activity because points expire after typically 18 months. If you haven't had any activity, they won't be there and you don't want them to go missing. So I just think as part of your financial housekeeping, just have a look at the points that are in there. If you're thinking yeah, you might want some more points, that's where you might think about signing up for a new credit card. That's a really good way to supercharge your points total. So, But even if you're not intending to do that, just have a look, make sure they're still there. And actually, yeah, make sure they're still there is an important one. I'm going through a process at the moment where someone stole points from my Virgin account and I'm having to try to get them back. So Whoa. really oh is worth logging God. in and checking those things out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great advice. Um, you know, a lot of people, like you said, that don't watch their account balances and they just forget that they're even there. So Exactly. And basically, that's like throwing away free money and nobody wants to do that. And if you could claim one thing back this tax time, what would it be? I'd like to be able to claim back the cost of the Aqua Dragons that are on my desk because I feel like they're an enhancement of the Finder office culture. <laughs> <laughs> I think they definitely are. You know, whether they're terrifying people, charming people. For people who don't know, uh, aqua dragons are, of course, uh, the poor man's version of sea monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) And they're an absolute delight, and I recommend them thoroughly. And they weren't that expensive. (laughs) Fabulous. We'll see if we can get an ATO tax ruling on it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much, Gus, as always. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Guzzi. The pleasure is all mine. Welcome on down, my evil twin and... Workplace bestie, Alex Hurrigan. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, Thank Alex, you. tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm Finders Resident Shopaholic. I don't want anyone to know what my afterpay balance is or see my credit card statements. <laughs> but in saying that, I still am a savvy shopper. Um, I've worked in the shopping team at Finder in order to find the best sales across anything you can buy on the internet, pretty much, from soup to shoes. 
Fabulous. I know that's what the I'm two buying. cornerstones of any good online shopping spree. Obviously. Soup and shoes. <laughs> so with that in mind, what tips do you have for us this end of financial year with all the shopping sales coming around? Well, end of financial year is kind of the best sale you can get because it's when the bulk of all the stock from the last year gets lumped into this huge sale. So it's also very good because unlike sales like Black Friday, which is predominantly online, this one is in-store and online, so you can choose whether or not you want to shop in the comfort of your own home, in your pyjamas, or in the stores in your pyjamas. <laughs> so either one, it's really up to you. But it's really good because the discounts we're seeing in this are quite hefty because these retailers want to make money as well in order to be able to purchase the new products for the new year with the profits they make from end of financial year sales. So those are kind of the reasons why the discounts are so big. How long do they usually last for? This is a very noob question. (laughs) Um, So they pretty much start rolling out mid-June. Most will tend to go for maybe like two or three weeks, Um, but some retailers can just keep it going or just leave the stock in the sale until they sell out. But those big ticket items um, like headphones or like big brands are going to sell out quicker than other like items just because they're in higher demand. Winter boots are definitely one of the other ones that people will be snapping up. Things that are in this season as well because people don't really tend to think ahead to summer. So we've covered soup and shoes, <laughs> but what are some of the uh, other products that we really should be focusing on at the end of financial year sales? Because I know that I'm usually just like, I'll buy all the clothes. But yeah, you mentioned some of the big ticket items maybe is what we should be concentrating on. It's a great time to snap up furniture, which is definitely one of the biggest things that gets slashed because they just want to get rid of it and they're so expensive. The best way to get rid of furniture is to just slash those prices. Also, kitchen appliances, weirdly, things like toasters and kettles are always in the sale sections. Write a list because when you write a list, it means you're just going to go onto the site and you can compare. So retailers like Maya, David, Jones, Target are really going to be trying to beat each other out on big brands and hot ticket items. And if you're shopping in store, you can also try and get your hand at price matching as well. And when you're buying things, make sure you go for kind of timeless classics. Don't kind of look at those hot pink snakeskin pants and go, oh, they're cool right now. They're already in my car. (laughs) And that is a timeless classic for me. You know that. And Mark. (laughs) Yes. Mark's wearing his right now. (laughs) Also, that sequin gold jacket is delicious. (laughs) My cornerstone item. So speaking of gold sequins, if there was one thing that you could claim on your tax... Come tax time, what would it be? My hopes and dreams. That's a great one. (laughs) They're not worth anything, (laughs) idiot. I mean, the Jason Momoa fan memorabilia. Is that okay? I think so. I think so. You've invested a lot in that, girl. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it all comes back. (laughs) Investment. Love it. Thank you so much. I'm sure Mark and I will be shopping up a storm. Yes. You're welcome. So are we getting the check in the mail or? <coughs> uh, security. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Tom and Allie. Hey guys. Thanks, guys. Double whammy. Uh, please, for the listeners out there, introduce yourselves. So I'm Tom. I'm a writer for Personal Loans, Business and Car Loans here at Finder. 
And I am Ali, and I'm the publisher for car insurance and plus a bunch of other insurance, but those don't matter today. (laughs) (laughs) Forget you heard that last bit. Uh, So what have you got for us today? The end of financial year in terms of car sales is actually a really good time to buy a car because a lot of car dealers are trying to clear as much stock as they can before the end of financial year. So you'll get a lot of discounts, especially on older models. So cars with plates from, say, 2018, even 2017. So for example... Four dealers at the moment offering up to, I think, $1,000 on some of their SUV models. And then Holden have $5,000 off their 2018 models compared to their 2019 models, which are the newer ones. If you're like looking to finance a new car, dealers offer, also offer as part of the end of financial year deals on dealer finance, which is basically where they finance the car instead of a, you know, a traditional bank or lender. But you've got to be careful there because a lot of them, it often seems too good to be true. And the reason for that is that there's a thing called a balloon payment, which is a payment you have to make at the end of the loan that kind of reduces the amount you pay in interest over the course of the loan. But then they, you kind of get you know, stuck with that at the end of the, the loan term that you've got to so say you're getting an interest rate of 1%, which is ridiculously low, but you're actually going to have to pay $20,000 at the end of the loan term, say after four years. So with the f- four years, you're not paying too much. And then at the end, they kind of stump you with this huge... Mm. Surprise attack. Yes. Obviously, there's heaps of good deals and a financial year for cars. You can save thousands of dollars on some models, but you can also save a lot of money just by comparing car loans if that's the avenue you want to go down. So say, for example, you want to get the 2018 Holden Colorado, which I think is available for 41990 at the moment. If you've got, say, a four-year loan for that, the difference between the car loans on Finder with the highest and lowest uh, monthly repayments, I think it's about $72 which okay. is actually $3,500 over the four years of the loan. So that's how much you'd actually save just by comparing the loans. It's enough for a little mini car. Enough for all of that soup and shoes we were talking about <laughs> yeah, earlier. Exactly. <laughs> so what about you, Ali? With end of financial year and car insurance, there's no such thing as really like deals for car insurance, but it's always a good time, especially when you're buying a new car, to actually review the policy that you're with. I think In Australia in particular, we have such brand loyalty, surprisingly. So like you'll hear names like NRMA or like Amy or whoever has all of the ads going on at the moment and you'll automatically kind of flock to them because you know them. But it's kind of one of those times, especially because you've got a new car, to actually look at what your policy is covering you for. Are you covered for all of like the things that you'll actually need, especially considering, like Tom said, that you might be having a car that's worth $40,000. It's also, I guess, a good time if you're buying a new car to kind of like consider the insurance costs that might come with that car and make a choice of the model based on what your costs are going to be in the future. Because I guess you're paying for the car first up, but then there's also 10 years worth of costs that are going to be coming with that. Just for a, a little bit of food for thought. In case you can afford a Mercedes. You know we, yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I personally <laughs> cannot. We did an analysis and you'd be paying about $187 a month just on car insurance. And then compare that to maybe like a Corolla or something. And you're sitting at the $85 mark. And that's for the same person, same driver, just wow. changing the car. So that kind of wow. says how much the model affects how much you're going to be paying. Even though I guess that's a really extreme example, someone who can afford a Mercedes probably isn't going to be driving a Corolla, but also maybe just like before you go out and buy, just even run a few dummy quotes with the same insurer, see how much like the difference is going to be between two car models and then kind of make your decision from there. And don't be afraid to kind of like move on to an insurer that you might not be as familiar with because you might end up saving a lot more money in the long run. Don't just stick with the insurer that your mum and dad 
a with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And loyalty <laughs> doesn't count. Like Ever. be yeah. as disloyal as you can because you'll save so much more money. Oh my god, guys. <laughs> Apply that to every decision yeah. you could ever make. Yeah. Sally, Sally, our friendship is over. <laughs> <laughs> I've cost you too money right now. <laughs> I've cost you too much money. Yeah. No, that's fair. No more coffees. <laughs> <laughs> if you could claim one thing, anything at all, what would it be? I will always try and like book a holiday and then see whatever conference is in the area and see how much of that I can then claim on my tax because I'm a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> She's savvy. I should say on that, the only thing I've, I think, ever claimed like that is probably magazines for research purposes. I oh, I did that. What kind All of research? research. <laughs> Total Girl, yeah. subscription, Girlfriend. 24 months. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly. Home and Garden. <laughs> <laughs> you would. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tom and Ali. Very, very helpful. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. You guys are so charismatic. We know. Oh, you say that to all. <laughs> That's why we got selected as being in the podcast, not you guys. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but um, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Steph. Thanks so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. So for our listeners out there, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am the travel editor at Finder and I love traveling. So what would be your tip for the end of financial year for all of the fellow wanderlusters out there like you? So my big tip would be just to keep your travel dates open. A lot of in the financial year sales come from travel airlines and they often price up their weekend flights or their peak season flights. But over the sale period, you can find really, really good deals or you can find the lowest prices on flights that take off in the middle of the week or flights that take off outside of the school holiday period. Right. That's a great idea. And then you don't have to fly with kids. Exactly. You get <laughs> the whole win-win. road to yourself. Awesome <laughs> advice. Awesome. Is it very common for airlines and travel agents to have sales at end of financial year? Yeah, yeah. It's becoming more and more popular every year. So how long do the mid-year sales usually last for? So the mid-year sales goes throughout June. Usually you'll see a lot of them start at the beginning of June. So at the moment, Virgin Australia, Jetstar and Qantas have already released their sales but they tend to roll them out throughout June. So if you've seen a sale already, if you think it's ending soon, there's probably another sale coming your way. Oh, that's good to know. And then does that also mean then that possibly other destinations can be released on sale during the month? Yeah, definitely. Um, Usually they do destination-specific sales. Sometimes they'll do Australia-wide. Sometimes they'll do full network. It really depends on what they're trying to sell at the moment. Ooh, very, very interesting. You could end up anywhere around the world. I think that's the beauty about these sales as well, that you don't know where the cheapest flights are going to take you. Again, keep your dates open, keep your destinations open as well. Be one of those wanderlusters that kind of throws caution to the wind and goes, oh, that's like a $200 flight. Let's try and see where it takes me. That's an awesome idea. That's something I need to do one day. If you had one thing that you wish that you could claim come tax time, what would it be? So... You can actually claim travel even if you're not in the travel space. If you're traveling and you're working while you're traveling, that percentage of time that you're working away, you can claim on tax. So you can claim a percentage of your flights, a percentage of your hotel stay, a percentage of your food, as long as you're working part of your trip. Damn. So if you're going on a conference somewhere, maybe you're self-employed or something like that, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm, pull out my phone, send a couple of slacks at Disneyland <laughs> and expense and that hey, bad boy. Look, I worked for <laughs> half a day. <laughs> Let's take that off. Well, thank you so much, Steph. That was great. No we'll worries, get booking. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
Hey guys, okay, I'm back. So last week we finished wrapping up all of the interviews with our fabulous experts, but we realized that we left someone out that has a, a hot, hot tip. So Mark's not here, he's actually in Brazil, living it up. So I'm gonna carry the torch and chat to Maurice. Maurice, welcome to Pocket Money. Thank you for having me. So for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so I've been at Finder for about almost four years now. I'm the life insurance publisher, so I get to write and talk about death quite a lot, um, <laughs> which is great. Okay, so what is your tip about insurance and uh, maybe death for us come tax time? Uh, it's a bit of a warning, actually. Most people already have some form of life insurance or income protection inside their super account in case something happens to them. On July 1st, any inactive accounts, so when there hasn't been a contribution in the last 16 months, the insurance cover will be cancelled. For most people, this is going to be a good thing. It stops your insurance premiums from eating into that super balance. But for some people who need the cover, they might want to keep it. Okay, so what do you need to do then to check? So two recommendations. The first one is uh, sort of three steps. You want to log into your MyGov account. From there, you can see if you have any inactive super accounts as well as um, any other super accounts. Then you want to check those super accounts that are inactive to see if there's actually insurance that's been paid for. So you can either do that on the phone or online through your account. And then you want to make a call whether or not that insurance is right for you. So if you do decide to keep it, just let your super fund know. My second recommendation is if you have multiple super accounts, you want to consider consolidating them into one just to avoid paying for twice as many insurance fees, unless you actually need that extra cover. Like if you do have multiple super funds, is that because when you start a new job, often they'll just like roll you into the default that they use for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. And often you don't even realize. Yeah, yeah. And then you're not contributing to that old super account, but it's still paying for insurance. So you're like losing money. So before this, we were having a chat about income protection and you mentioned another tip that would be useful come tax time. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to paying for your income protection, the premiums that you pay, you can actually claim that as a tax deduction. One thing you can do is claim a year's worth of uh, premiums. So the next 12 months, that could work out to be like, let's say $1,000. You can claim that in this year's tax and then get the deduction this year and potentially put you under a tax bracket, for instance. Okay, so that's especially useful for people who are self-employed, right? Absolutely. When you are employed, you're usually given cover through your super. Um, you can also rely on your work cover. If you are self-employed, then you do have a great need for income protection. Doing that little tax hack, it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. More sweet, sweet cash for you. Extra cash equals extra smiles. <laughs> so speaking of extra cash, if you could claim anything in the whole world this tax time, what would it be? Probably my parking fines and <laughs> my weekly Opal expense. You are a menace to society. Yeah, maybe, maybe a round trip to Europe. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. be a travel blogger, then you can do that. That was Steph's tip. So there you mm. go, it all comes together. The circle of life continues. Well, thanks so much, Reese, for coming back in and uh, back to regular programming with Sally and Mark. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, that was a wrap, Sally. 
are you bursting full of uh, <laughs> end of financial year tips? Yeah, so many resolutions, so much little time. That doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. <laughs> doesn't matter. We're leaving it in. <laughs> <laughs> My resolution is uh, to go to school and learn how to speak English. <laughs> so if you, if you actually pick a financial resolution for this financial new year, too many financials, but anyways, <laughs> uh, what would it be? All jokes aside, based on the tips that we just got, I think that Fred's tip on don't leave your financial new year planning to the end of financial year. Like mm. you should be tracking all of this stuff as we go, which I never do. I really liked what Alison said, which was like, don't try to ax- outrun the tax office sort of thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's there for a reason. Rebate doesn't really uh, mean that you're getting free money. It just means that you're getting your own money back. So, mm. And you're I not think, even yeah. getting it all back anyway. So if you're like making purchases just for the sake of claiming it, like what's exactly. the point? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I think that was full of some good tips there. So we'll obviously yeah. leave that all in our show notes page. Yes, definitely. And we have a bunch of resources that can help you compare some of the deals that our guests mentioned uh, and some other guides that should be helpful this new fiscal year. <laughs> Got to have a good new fiscal year. But thanks everyone for listening. Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group and uh, give us a little greetings message. <laughs> a season's greetings. Yes, a fiscal year greetings. Make your new financial year resolution to leave us a nice review and comment. Thumbs up. Share the love. Maybe you can even drop in your own financial year resolution into the review. Yeah, you could guide us on the right path. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And as always, subscribe or follow us if you're listening to us on Spotify. And um, yeah, I think that's it, Sally. Happy new financial year, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening. If I could claim one thing, it would be extravagant dinner so I could go out and eat extravagant things. I feel like whenever you look through those, like, make sure you do these things, it's always like, make your own coffee. And I'm like, screw you. That is the one joy I have every morning. I mean, aside from this podcast. (laughs) No, but seriously, soy ice lattes. So you would claim that? I think so, yeah. Like, it is a constant expense and I'm not giving it up for no one (laughs) and also it's necessary for my Productivity. productivity so let's make it happen okay there you go